Hello and welcome to the Becker's Healthcare Health IT and Revenue Cycle Management virtual event. Today I'm joined by Michelle Stansbury, Vice President of the Center for Innovation at Houston Methodist for Fireside Chat, um, where we will be discussing building a culture of innovation, leading teams during the pandemic, and some of the most essential technologies for the next 12 to 24 months. I'm Laura Deirda, an Editor-in-Chief at Becker's Healthcare, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Michelle today, who is one of the most well-regarded leaders in healthcare innovation. Michelle, could you tell us a little bit about some of the biggest challenges that you're facing today at Houston Methodist and how those might be different from the challenges that you faced earlier in the year when the pandemic first hit? Sure. Um, well, thank you very much for having me, Laura. Um, you know, this has been a very interesting time, um, not only for Houston Methodist, but I know for many other health organizations. Um, who would have thought, you know, at the beginning of the year that we would have to be dealing with the pandemic? Um, that none of us have probably ever had to live through here. But I, I will tell you how it really changed for us for the Center for Innovation. Um, one of the things that helped us was the initiatives we had going and been doing prior to the pandemic hitting. We had been doing virtual health and we'd been utilizing chatbots and some of the other the technologies that are out there. Well, we weren't, I would say, on our virtual and our virtual urgent care and our virtual ICU. Um, we were doing well, but we haven't, we didn't have high adoption rate um, with some of our clinicians. And as far as our virtual ICU, we had rolled out in one of our institutions, um, but had planned it to be kind of a two-year rollout. Um, well, guess what? Pandemic hit, COVID hit. And all of a sudden, you know, all of our clinics had to close. We had to, you know, um, rearrange things in our hospitals with having to take care of the COVID patients. Um, but we still needed to be available to our consumers and our patients. So within a very short time frame, you know, we were doing kind of average 50 visits a day, um, had a hundred so clinicians trained but we had to train all of these clinicians. Well, we had our technology hub that we use kind of as our R&D space for innovation. Um, we had to switch that around as a huge training area for all of our physicians. So within a two week period, we ended up having to train around 900 physicians to get them up and ready to be able to do virtual visits with, our, with their patient. We also took the opportunity to, on our virtual ICU, that was doing extremely well. We had to expand that capability very, very quickly so that our clinicians could see patients, talk with patients, two-way communication without necessarily having to go into the rooms so that they didn't have to get all gowned up and get in all of the, the um, PPE um, and still have the communication. So, you know, for us, it was, we already had the foundation in place. We just had to quickly expand it across the, the organization so that we could still continue to take care of our patient population without necessarily having to see them in person. So, you know, how did things change? Well, as you know, we were doing small pilots, proving out success, succeed fast, fail fast, to now, great, you had a lot of successes, but how quickly can you get them in? So I would say, you know, for us, the Center for Innovation really helped us prove that we had the technology and it was just how do we quickly get that going and so that we were there and available um, for the clinicians to be able to, you know, take care of these types of patients and still continue to do 
normal, you know, um, screenings and look and seeing patients on a normal basis, but just doing it through virtual health. Got it. It sounds like a very quick and, and swift change you had to make. Um, in terms of looking at how you've operated on the innovation side, how, what did you do in order to bring some of that mentality to make the, the quick changes to the rest of the organization? Um, how were you able to work with clinicians as well as other administrators to bring some of that um, energy that you have on the innovation side into the, the other areas of the organization? Well, the interesting part is I think when we all, it, it was a change in mind shift, right? I mean, you have a normal day-to-day, -day, um, you know, clinicians coming in to see their patients, being able to do, you know, surgical, being able to see patients. That, that's, it's a normal routine that they've been doing for a very long time. Well, okay, you have one day that you're doing that and the next day it totally changes. You've shut down the city, you now have, you know, patients that it's, they are not able to come into the clinic's office, they're not able to come in. You have patients that you're taking care of that have COVID, they're not able to see their family members either. And so I think it was a complete mind shift, you know, from the organization of what can we do to continue to be there for the patients and the population that we need to. So, you know, it was very well, I'm getting, you know, how everyone embraced this new technology was just awesome. And, you know, where we might have had um, the people of just not feeling they were ready, they were ready. And once they embraced it and they did very quickly, the response was just overwhelming uh, because they saw how easy it was. They saw how they could still be able to take care of their patients. Um, and, you know, the other thing was how do we keep up with the demand from the consumers who were just hungry for knowledge, right? You know, th this is something no one has ever experienced. So, you know, I, I, and unfortunately it was allergy season, right? And so some of those same symptoms that you're feeling with maybe allergies, you're wondering, is it COVID? Do, is that what, do I need to get tested? Do, you know, what do, what do I need to worry about? So, you know, multiple phone calls of coming in and trying to understand um, how do we help? So, you know, that's where our chat bot functionality um, that we had instituted previously before. And it was going extremely well, but talk about it being at here to all of a sudden it's way up here with the volume of calls that we were receiving. And so, you know, we were able to use the technology that we had instituted to be able to help. And people were just embracing the new technology because they really saw the benefits of how it was helping this new population that we had never really even seen before. And, you know, the other thing I, that I will tell you that we were very, very proud of within the organization was think, stop and think about a patient who is now, you know, big diagnosed with COVID. They're now in the institution. Um, they're isolated. They can't, the family members can't come in and come see them. And they want to keep in communication. And so one of the things that we did with this population was we put in um, devices in the room that allowed them to be able to communicate back and forth with their family members on, you know, however regular basis they needed to. Plus those devices would be able to be used if they were talking with the clinicians as well. But what we found was an overwhelming response from the patients and their family members to know that they were able to sit and able to continue com to communicate with their family members during this time frame. And, some of the times, you know, it was not easy because it, it wasn't the outcome that they wanted, 
but they were still able to sit and have that communication with um, their families. And um, it was really great technology that we were so glad that we were able to put in place. That's fantastic. And I know a big help for the patients and their families um, who were in the hospital at that time. And I, the next thing I was wondering about is in terms of where your priorities and responsibilities are, has there been any shift in um, what you're responsible for, your team, what additional responsibilities or different types of skill sets are you utilizing now that you didn't necessarily before the pandemic began? Um, you know, the only thing that I would say has changed is that we do have a big focus on COVID. You know, it's what are the latest technologies that are out there that could potentially help us with COVID. I will tell you, uh, um, did we have in our mindset to have a screening station? Um, you know, as individuals or our employee population come, you know, coming in. You know, at the very first, I think people are, you know, most institutions were having to use their own staff right, to provide on those screening stations, just the temperature screenings. Um, well, that becomes very expensive, especially when you need that staff to be able to take care of the patients. So it, it, it was for us, we'd been looking at it when COVID started and um, probably within a week's time frame, we got the word, nope, we need them, get them up right away. So, um, you know, that's where I would say that it's slightly changed, but it hasn't changed much. Um, we have great leaders in the organization who have made the commitment and the strategic initiative for us to continue down the path of looking at digital health technology and how it can help our institutions with our clinicians and consumers. So we're continuing to keep driving forward with innovation within the institution. Um, I would say when a COVID need hits, that's our main priority. If we see that there's technology out there that will help us, that's probably the big focus at the moment, but it's not stopped us in other initiatives that we're doing. We're, in, you know, we're investing heavily in our time and effort with voice technology. We believe that's where the, the future is. You know, we are working with different partners right now on how can we utilize voice technologies within our ORs um, so stop and think about a surgeon who is, you know, performing a procedure and needs information. How, wouldn't it be nice if they could just say, and I'm just going to use Alexa, you can name it whatever you want to, but Alexa, please show me the last scan for this patient. Please show me the last labs for this patient. So it's an easier way for the clinicians not to have to stop or get somebody else to pull up information, but use that voice technology. The other thing that we're investing in is ambient listening. It's um, how can we get our clinicians again back in front of the patients and not necessarily asking patients questions and typing on the computer. Um, so we have, you know, we're partnering again with another organization that is really working with us on how we can prove the technology first. Again, right there in our R&D space in our technology hub. Um, and once that's done and then bring in our clinicians, let them try it out. And then we'll pilot it. We'll pilot that within some of the clinics. We'll pilot the other technology in some of the ORs. And once it's proven, then be able to expand it out. We believe that's where future is at. It's um, voice technology is, is already being used a lot outside of healthcare. We want to bring it in because we believe that's where it's at. The other is AI. And, you know, we're using some of that right now within the institution to be able to help us with COVID. Um, but we believe that the expanded use of, of AI is going to help tremendously, you know, within the future on diagnosis and helping clinicians again. 
So um, we're investing heavily probably in those two areas, among other things. Got it. And I know that investment in technology and digital health is extremely important these days, um, especially with a limited budget for many hospitals and health systems across the U.S. Uh, for you at Houston Methodist, was there anything that over the past few months or so you kind of looked through your projects and said, we need to postpone this or prune this, you know, this is not important to us anymore as it was maybe in December or January? What types of projects are on the back burner? Well, the beauty, and I will tell you, I feel extremely fortunate in uh, um, being at the organization that I'm at because um, we have taken the strategic approach that, um, and I think this is kind of true of everyone, when they very first got into digital innovation, right? Innovation wasn't new, right? Everybody had been doing innovation. It was mostly clinical research, but really focusing in on digital health technology, um, you know, we truly believed and you know way before COVID even hit that you know we were going to be disrupted as an you know an institution by others or we can do it to ourselves and we truly agreed nope we're going to do it to ourselves um which is the reason we created the center for innovation we you know had you know um, many many individuals who participate within that and we haven't stopped and that's where i would just tell you you know it might have taken a slight back burner um, when COVID initially hit with us, um, because again, we had to we had to ramp up and figure out, okay, how do we take care of this patient population now? It's something we'd never had to do before. But that was a very short period. And I will tell you, as many know, here in Texas, we are in our second surge. Um, and this is this second surge is greater than what we even experienced in our first. But we haven't slowed down during the second surge because we now we know we know what we're doing we know how to take care of this population um and so for us it was how do we make sure that we continue to keep driving innovation forward because we believe it's important um as i said earlier that we need to know what's the latest and greatest technology out there that's going to be able to help our consumers you know come and and get the services they need without in the traditional approach how can we continue to drive it for our clinicians so that they're able to use the latest technology to be able to take care of their patient population um, in a more streamlined process or more efficient process and so um, as i said it's where i feel very very fortunate that this organization has made it a strategic priority and has continued to do so, um, which and I know has some of the other institutions haven't had the opportunity to do that. Um, I feel very fortunate and very blessed that, you know, Houston Methodist is truly um, wanting to make sure that we continue forward with these. And it is providing the resources and the funding for us to be able to do that. Absolutely. And from your perspective, how has that mentality and that support from your leadership made uh, it possible for you to keep moving forward? What advantages do you think you have um, over institutions who don't prioritize innovation as much? I'm asking this question because for innovation leaders at institutions where that may not be the case, what do you think could help them make the case that this would you know, be an important investment for the future that hospitals and health systems as much as possible shouldn't put the brakes on innovation but should keep driving throughout this time? Well, the thing that I would say for other organizations where it is that, again, that our, our, our leaders understand the strategic approach of innovation is that you can't slow down um, because guess what? The other organizations who were getting into this arena 
who'd never done healthcare before, right? And all of a sudden they were getting into health. They're not slowing down. They're not stopping. And so it's important that you continue down this path because you don't want to lose momentum. Um, and then you're trying to play catch up. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, I'm not going to say it's an easy decision um, because I know that for many organizations, you know, it, it COVID hit hard from a financials perspective on all of us. Right. And, but it's, I think in an organization and maybe you don't do it to the extent that we are, um, but that, you know, you have to continue to try to drive innovation in your organization. Maybe just focus on one or two things, but don't let it slide and don't think that, well, okay, everyone else is stopping and so we can. And then, you know, when everything goes back to normal, we'll start it back up. Um, I think that's where you're going to lose ground in this um, battle for, you know, digital innovation and how it provides you know, the ease of use with healthcare for consumers, because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for the convenience. And guess what? Now they're seeing all of the conveniences that can happen. Who would have thought everyone would be doing video conferences instead of attending in conferences? And so, yes, the, you know, the, the same population now for the consumers who have been able to get healthcare from video, um, you know, it's now become a norm. It's not in anything new, right? It's become a norm that I kind of expect. So what more are you going to? And I will tell you, you know, we're looking at other, how can we expand that by looking at other technology that can help with video visits, right? Um, from, instead of it just being a conversation with the physician of, oh, my throat hurts, my ear hurts, and I think I've got this fever, there's now devices out there that you can use that would really allow the clinicians to look in your throat, allow the clinicians to, you know, listen to your heart rate, get your blood pressure, you know, look in your ears. And so that's just expanded technology to be able to help within the diagnosis of in, in, with that patient. The other thing is within the, you know, virtual ICU space, you know, how can you take that virtual technology and continue to expand it out in the communities, continue to expand it out from a global perspective? Um, those are, it's where I would tell others, please, please, you know, if there's any way that you can, don't stop because um, you're these other factors that were out there previously before that were, you know, wanting to get into health. They're not stopping. Unfortunately, they still had the, the funding and the backing that they had before, and they're still continuing to drive forward. And you read it every single day, you know, where others are getting into this space. And so it's very important for institutions to continue to try to drive innovation in their organization to keep up. That's a great point. Um, before we wrap up here, I have one more question for you. Um, looking over the next 12 to 24 months, what do you think is going to be the most exciting or important innovation for patient care at Houston Methodist? Um, where do you see really the hospital of the future or healthcare of the future being one or two years from now? Um, I will tell you, it, it's really, for me, and I kind of hinted at it before, I do believe voice technology. We have some exciting things that are going on in um, our technology hub right now and the partners that we're working with. And um, while I can't name anything specific, you know, at this moment, but um, I would say very soon you, you are going to see some things that are come out, going to come out. And um, our clinicians, our surgeons who are working with us on it, they are extremely excited about the technology and things that we're doing. So I think voice. I truly believe you're going to see voice expand across innovation in many, many forms and fashion. The other is, as I said, AI, 
and virtual health. I mean, those are probably the three chatbots are here, not going away. Some love them, some hate them, um, you know, but I think it's a way that truly you can, you know, continue to, to drive and get individuals to get questions answered. The other is for us, and we're continuing to move forward with our um, intelligent automation. Um, we are continuing to drive that across um, to increase efficiencies. You know, for those mundane tasks we told you before, um, how can we get that, let it be taken care of by the, the automation piece and free up those FTEs to be able to do other things. Um, I'm very excited. You know, um, the innovators, I would say the technology innovators that are out there, um, they're continuing to keep developing. And it's very exciting what they're coming up with, the, with these days. And so, um, you know, matter of fact, I'm getting ready to talk to a whole new group of um, innovators here in Houston with some of the things they've come up with. And so it, it's, it's, an, it's an exciting time. Please, everyone, I would just say don't stop. Continue on to keep looking at how you can drive it in your organization. Thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle. I really, really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to speak with you and very inspiring to hear what you're doing at Houston Methodist. Well, thank you very much for having me.